listening to the Construction Talk podcast, brought to you by Causeway Technologies. Tune in to hear from the industry leaders pushing construction forward. Hi, I'm Peter Haddock and I'm here today for an edition of Construction Talk podcast, but physically inside the National Highways UK hub here in the West Midlands. And I've got Leela here with me. Leela, your role in the team here with National Highways is all around asset management. And this is what we're talking about today in the podcast. And really for me, this is a fantastic subject because I started thinking about assets with National Highways, talking to one of your colleagues, and they said, Peter, but there's way more to national highways than just a road and the bridges you, you see we maintain. Lena, tell us a little bit about you, yourself first and then your role in the National Highways Asset Management Team. Thank you very much, Peter, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about asset management and national highways. I am Lila Tachtsi and I am the Director of Asset Management in National Highways. By profession, I am a civil engineer and I have been working in the road sector for all my career for well over 25 years. Asset management and what it is? Well, National Highways is what we call an asset management organisation. That means that we construct, we build, we operate and we maintain and renew asset infrastructure in order to deliver a service, in order to enable this country to move from one place to another. So you are right, we do have an awful lot of assets, physical infrastructure assets. We have more than 4,500 miles of road. We have more than 20,000 structures. Wow. But we also have more than 30,000 hectares of soft estate, Greenland, that we manage. We have more than 4,500 cameras on our network so it is a varied asset and on top of that we need to think about not only the things that you see but the things you don't see we've got a huge amount of drainage assets that are underground we've got a huge amount of geotechnical assets and so on and so on but what i really do want to stretch is this these assets are there to serve a purpose what they are there to do is to enable journeys and that means that we have on our network more than four million journeys every day. So all the assets are there to enable these journeys. And one of the fun things, folks, is I had to make one of those journeys today <laughs> to get here from where I live uh, into the, the hub here in Birmingham. And I think one of the, the things that, that really strikes me is the whole piece around asset management. And you, you've talked about all these different elements there. And we've got within national highways, we, everybody looks at the new roads or the new infrastructure or renewed bridges. We've had a great big bridge um, move with HS2 recently as Absolutely. well. Fantastic to see, mega engineering. But also the asset has a life cycle and it needs to be looked after and used all the time and like you say then, renewed. Tell me a little bit about the processes and the things that you think about uh, as the asset management team and, and how that actually works in, in the real world. Yeah, I just want to pick on something you said about an asset management team. We don't have an asset management team, we are an asset management organisation. Ah. And what that really means is that everybody has a role to play in asset management. We have been working, I, I will talk a bit about the processes, but one key message is this. We've been working very hard over the last two, two and a half years 
to change the mindset around asset management. So when we talk about asset management, we're not talking about managing the asset only, but managing the service that this asset delivers to the people who use the network. So I do hope you had a safe journey Indeed, and a comfortable journey yes, this I morning. Did indeed. And that is our purpose. Yeah. So yes, we maintain, I mean, we do construct new assets. We do increase our asset base every day in national highways but we do put a lot of emphasis on how do we make the most of the investment we have made on our existing assets. And when I talk about investment here, I don't talk only about money, but I talk about carbon investment. By building all these assets, we have invested heavily on carbon. We want to make the most of it. So, uh, so what does that actually mean? We, we want to understand what our asset is. We want to understand how our asset performs. Yep. And when we talk about performance, of course, condition is an absolutely very important parameter, but it is wider than that. So all the work that we're doing on asset management at the moment, in every part of the organization, in every part of National Highways, we're trying to, to become better at understanding what is the service that this asset delivers. Shall I give you an example to make that clear? Yeah, absolutely, that would be great. Yeah. So, let me tell you what, the drainage asset. The drainage asset is there, one of the fundamental reasons we've got drainage asset is to make sure there is no flooding, there's no standing water on the surface of the road. So in the past, we invested heavily in uh, recording where the asset is. A lot of it is hidden, so expensive to go and monitor where it is and monitor its condition. But actually, why do we have drainage? We have drainage to take water away. So we stopped being so much worried about the drainage asset itself, but we are monitoring the service it delivers, i.e. flooding. So we do not measure so much how many kilometers or how many miles of drainage asset we have and in what condition it is, but we are making decisions based on how it performs. Where do we have flooding hotspots? So we go and focus our resources and our efforts here. And that's a really good example of managing service rather than managing the asset. Don't measure the tiniest bit of detail about how many drains we have, but find out how they perform, how effective they are in preventing flooding. And I think that's really interesting because one of the things that you're talking about really is, is saying how do we improve the outcome for somebody using this asset? How do we make things better? And you talked about the carbon element there, and we'll come on to that. And I think for me, what I use as the road is so in the national highways sense, you know, you go on big journeys, you, you know, you want to, to be able to flow through that journey in the safest possible way, but you also want to be able to, to go from A to B in the least amount of carbon usage, so the least amount of petrol and fuel and things like that. Yeah. So it's really important that you understand how the asset is being used. And also, in the UK, folks, we tend to have seasons, and those seasons <laughs> change everything. For this morning, I was coming down and it had snowed overnight. So again, making a little bit more time for my journey that I didn't actually have to have. But all of the different elements you've got to consider are not just that asset and how it performs on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a year-to-year -year and, and goes on and beyond that as well. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the things that you've learned more recently when we talk about how to change that mindset and the new technology like technologies like digitalization Absolutely. that are coming through that helps you manage those elements better. Absolutely. A fundamental part of asset management is that it's about life cycle and long term. 
So what we're doing with our work on asset management is we are providing the tools, processes, and I'll come back to those in a minute if I may, Peter, but providing tools and processes to understand every time we make a decision about an asset, what impact does it have on the service this asset delivers to the customers, to the traveling public throughout the life cycle of the asset? So we're not thinking about three years, five years, one year. We are thinking about the life cycle and make the right carbon and investment decisions for that life cycle. So what does that actually mean? That means that, first of all, we need to understand what we have and how it performs. Technology is a fantastic opportunity for understanding the asset better. So we're talking about using sensors in our structures. We're talking about using uh, weather stations everywhere so we know when is the right time to go and greet and try to correlate weather conditions, environmental conditions, and how they affect the service that we deliver. I think that all sounds very theoretical, but there is one thing to remember. Sensors exist everywhere, and we can use a lot of them on our assets. Our job is to use the right ones at the right place at the right time, because all of that technology gives us enormous amounts of information that we need to be able to manage, understand, and interpret, because it's all about using that information to make the right decision. If we do not have the ability to interpret the data, it's not good collecting the data. So part of our asset management work is exactly what I said earlier. It is about understanding what information do we need, how we're going to collect it, how we're going to analyze it, and how we're going to use it to make the right decisions. And one of those sort of things uh, that you're talking about there is how that you take data and interpret it. So yeah. we've had a lot and we talk a lot about data in the construction industry and there's been years and years where we've had loads and loads of data and it's sat there in a great big storage facility, uh, literally nobody using it because there's too much information and there's too much data. The way in which national highways collect that data obviously comes from lots and lots of different sources as well. So how you collect it all, then how you feed it all yep. into the system, and then how that actually feeds useful information back to you is really important. What's the kind of work that you've been doing to enable that? And also, how have you worked, therefore, with your supply chain to yep. get them on the right even the right format, even the, the, the right connectivity for certain assets and things like First of all, we need to take a step back because you are absolutely right. And it is human nature, and in particular, engineering nature, <laughs> to collect as much data as you possibly can. So we are taking a step back and we're saying, hold on. Let's measure what we need yep. rather than what we can. Yep. And that's uh, one of our fundamental principles, actually, in our approach to asset management national highways. So we take a step back and we think, what information do I need to make the right decision and then go out and collect the data? Uh, it's not easy and it takes a lot of effort because traditionally and historically we'll collect it a lot. So we are in the process of rationalizing some of our data collection approaches. But technology does give us an awful lot of opportunities around that and we don't want to be left behind. So you asked me a question about how we use the data. We work with the supply chain, absolutely, and we see that as a partnership with all our supply chain, and we explain what is our aim. Our aim is to provide safe and comfortable journeys. What information do we need? Okay, we, we decide with the supply chain what information we need. Uh, and then it's about storage and using the information. And we do that in two different ways. 
first of all is the the day-to-day -day live data that we, we 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 receive from our customers as well as from from technology uh, and we've got systems a number of different systems that help us understand the day-to-day -day activities uh, and inform our decisions but most importantly we've got fantastic technology and Causeway actually supplies some of our systems that tell us something that we call PIT, Pavement Investment Toolkit, that enables us to predict performance in the longer term. So we know, based on the information that we get about the condition of the pavements today, looking historically how they performed in the future, we can use that PIT tool to tell us how the, the asset is going to perform in the future. How will our pavements perform in the future? That enables us to understand what is the best time to intervene because we always have choices to make. Do we intervene today? Do we intervene in three years' time? And that allows us, the tools that we have allow us to model the impact that this will have on our, on our customers. How often do we have to close the road? Um, how deep does our intervention need to be? So we do what we call preventative maintenance or reactive maintenance, and it is the information and the tools that we have from our supply chain that enables to make these informed decisions. And what's really interesting about that is when you take uh, that information and you see that actually you know, that particular road structure, that particular way in which something has been built in that location is, is actually performing well or not, as the case may be. And the learnings that you get from that can then actually be practically fed back to the supply chain as to when you are building or, re or replacing uh, the pavement and when you're actually looking at the substances that you want that make up those different layers to the actual road surface itself and, and how far, like you said, to go down when you're repairing or when you're rebuilding. Isn't Absolutely. It? To achieve that, we want to be transparent about our strategy. So we published recently, uh, only a few months ago, our new asset management policy that yes. says what our principles are. And we talk in our policy about, about long-term life cycle, we talk, and, and not only money, but carbon, I do want to stress that actually carbon and environment is a really important parameter for us, and we can only do that if we think collectively. Anyway, we are transparent about our policy, about long-term life cycle. We are talking about making best use of resources, so we're not focusing in one area, but we, we take a more strategic view overall about where we invest our resources. We talk about our people. And we want to be transparent about how we want to, to make the, the best use of the skills of our people and give them the opportunity to grow and think and, uh, and develop their careers in a safe environment. And we are also talking about data and information. So our policy is only one page. So I would really strongly recommend anybody to go and look at the National Highways Asset Management Policy and read that one page. But the document is supplemented with an asset management approach, which is basically a, a strategy document that explains what, how do we implement these policies? How do we want our supply chain and our people to think about these fundamental asset management principles every time they make a decision? So every time we put a lane marking, every time we put up a lighting column, we are not just adding an asset, we are making the service safer, uh, more comfortable, more environmentally friendly. And this is what asset management means for us, making, giving people the information that they need so that they can make the right decisions. Our people and our supply chain, this is very much a partnership approach. 
I think this is really interesting because we're now going to come on to talking about that big C word, carbon. Yeah. Because what I've talked about with your colleagues recently is actually how you are now measuring, how you're tendering uh, big projects like the Lower Thames Crossing uh, and like some of the other works that are going on with carbon at its absolute centre and how we're looking at using national highways and your network to almost embed carbon. Uh, so that we can be carbon negative in some areas and therefore when we have to be carbon positive in others we can then settle down to get that road to net zero which is another huge commitment that National Highways has made. Yeah. How are you able to do that when you're looking at all of this in a more holistic way but then how are you able to go and say look all of these assets in these different areas we've got this kind of information from what is relevant here can not necessarily relevant over here how does it all come together yeah. and how are you working in partnership not just collaboration with the supply chain to actually deliver these things now yep. so that we we can't tackle carbon now but also uh, as we move to a carbon more neutral future a really good question to set in the asset management context, actually, Peter. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. I know that we're fully committed in our net zero targets. I don't think anybody has any doubt that we're fully committed in delivering this. What that means is we need to do the right thing at the right time at the right place. We are tackling it from all angles because we know that by just producing a strategy or just by reducing some of the materials, we're not going to get to the right answer. So we're looking at everything, including our fleet, our own vehicles, our own working processes, uh, our estate and how we use our offices. Absolutely, we're doing all that. But I want to, to tackle it from the other side, which is the actual infrastructure asset. First of all, we know that every carbon investment counts. We're looking at things like the road surface. The smoother the road surface, the less carbon our customers will be using. Oh, yes. So we are looking at what is the right level of smoothness, roughness that we need to deliver on uh, the surface of the road to make sure that the users don't use carbon when they drive. It's always a compromise, it's always a balance, not compromise, but balance. It's always an issue of balance because if we make the road very smooth, absolutely it will reduce carbon, but it's a safety consideration to be taken there as well. So we are balancing all of those requirements. But we've just published an opportunities register. So all of these new materials, new construction techniques, automation on the construction uh, sites, all of those help. But we really do need to work, not collaboratively, but as you said, in partnership with our supply chain. We don't want to have materials that uh, will perform very well in terms of carbon now, but they will need to be replaced in three years' time. Mm, absolutely. So, uh, because that's not solving the carbon problem. So we are looking about the life cycle. The other thing to consider is, I'm not exaggerating, if I tell you that me and my colleagues, we will get an email about a new material or a new technique that will reduce carbon. We get one of these every day. <laughs> we can't deal with all of them. We can't really follow all of those opportunities. So we took a more strategic view on how we prioritize where we invest our time and where we invest our testing. Um, and we published our opportunities register, we published our carbon plan, so we really want to work hand in hand with all of those new ideas to make sure where we prioritize first. So things like uh, asphalt, 
Yep. Yep. It's important. Yep. Uh, we have, in fact, we have made a huge commitment there, and we moved from hot asphalt to warm mixes. And not only we enabled people to use warm mixes in our standards, but we made them compulsory. So standard practice is warm mix rather than hot mix now. And if you want to use hot mix, you need to make a case for it as a supplier. That's quite, quite an important commitment. And we worked in partnership with everybody who supplies asphalt to us to make sure that they could, they could respond to that challenge. We've done the same with concrete. We're doing the same with concrete. We're looking where are the use of concrete on the network that doesn't require high quality structural concrete? Where can we take a risk? I don't think it would be wise in some of our major tunnels or structures to go and use new materials that don't give us the confidence. But in, in some of the areas where we use concrete that doesn't require high structural strength, we are more ambitious, we, we are willing to take a different set of risks about how we use the material. And the great thing about National Highways, and I've been there, is you've got a development centre where, you know, that risk is mitigated because yeah. basically you're, you're saying when people get to a certain stage, so the opportunities, I love the word opportunities register, really gives us opportunities to say, here we are, here's why it meets all these criteria, here's why you should take a look at it. And those sort of opportunities then could go into the real world through the processes that you've put in place at your development centre being a part of that, the, the, the things that you're doing with academia, with like Cambridge University Absolutely. and the, the Rose Research Alliance and all those sort of things. That all comes together in a process that allows us to accelerate now those changes as fast as we can because we are on that road to net zero and you know yes there are limitations like there are on the road network and yeah, the speed absolutely. in which you can go but those limitations are only there if if they're placed there in the right context so that we get things right they go through a process and they actually are put through stress tests so that years and years and years later down the line they mm. still can operate in that not replace it after three years scenario you yeah. talked to me before these things have opened up national highways to a wider audience. And I guess that's what you're trying to look at as, as an organisation, to say nothing is off the table um, because we want to disrupt ourselves in that sort of context. Is that kind of right? That's absolutely right. We published our innovation strategy. It sounds as if we're publishing a lot of strategies. That's important because we're going to be absolutely transparent and because we know the challenges are not our challenges. They are a sector. Yeah. Actually, the carbon challenge is a world challenge, yep. a global challenge. So we're going to be transparent about what we're doing. Innovation is something we feel passionate about in National Highways. And we are doing everything we can to make sure that how quickly can we move from an idea that has been proven to actually becoming business as usual. That's why I used earlier the example of warm mixes, because that's where we, we were bold. And we said, hold on, we know that works. We've done some testing in, in some of our facilities. We've tested it in certain parts of the network. We know it works. We're confident. Come on, come on, sector. Yep. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. That's it. We're going to use warm mixes. It's not always as easy, and sometimes with some of the more, uh, more sophisticated technical solutions, particularly around the digital, we do need to be sure that we're doing the right thing. But we do really want to be innovative. We really do understand that we can't keep doing what we've always done in the past, so innovation is in the heart of what we're doing. 
And I think what's interesting there is you've seen innovation come in in, in the way in which you create structures mm. like 3D machine control being Absolutely. used to, to look at those layers, the, the, the new smart rollers mm. that are going down so you get all the compression elements, you get all that data fed in and you know I work with, with people like, like a Geosystems who enable that within the fleets and the organisations of yourself and your, well, mm. your supply chain in, in that context. But what I wanted to understand really is there are lots and lots of different elements here that we're all bringing together. And for me, it's how do you capture what I like to call the one version of the truth as to what's <laughs> happening right there, yeah. right there. How are you yeah. doing it? How are you enabling yourself to yeah. do that? So you, you have not got lots of different things. You have got that decision-making process because it's accurate and it's, the, and it's the one version of the truth that we all need. I'm going to use a word I don't like, but it's the right one here, I'm afraid. It's a journey. Right. National Highways is a large organization, and the, particularly the regional teams and the different directorates until recently had a different way of collecting, storing, and managing data. And it is not a secret that we've got many different systems, some of them more sophisticated than others, but we've got an awful lot of spreadsheets and we still have some information held on paper. So part the core of our asset management work is to rationalize all that. Yep. So we recently published again an asset management systems strategy, but as well as a roadmap. So we're modernizing our systems. We, we want to have a more rationalized, a more comprehensive approach to what systems we use. I'm never going to say that we will have one system that holds everything. This is not going to happen, not in the next few years anyway. But we have a federated approach where the systems talk better to each other. Core to that is data. Yep. And we do work with our colleagues in digital services to make sure we understand better what is the single version of the truth. And that's it now. We've got something that we call data as a service, which basically means our data, all of it is held in one place and the different systems access that pool of data, that right. data lake, right. in one place. So we don't want to have, you know, our pavements management system has the data here, our bridge management system has the data somewhere else, the drainage somewhere else, the CCTV data somewhere else. We have to have all of the data together in one place and the system access that data from the data lake. And that is what we're working towards now. We've already implemented it for a number of our asset types, asset classes. We've got a roadmap that we will be publishing in a couple of months. It's due Ooh, to be published. Oh, you heard it oh, here first, folks. You heard it here March, first. Before the end of March. Right. We, we, we confirmed with the Office of Rail and Road that we will publish our roadmap before the end of March. So then you can see more transparently what systems are going to become obsolete, what systems are going to be replaced. And from the supply chain, but from our, for our own purposes, to be absolutely transparent, when will our pavement asset management system replaced? When will the bridges management system be replaced? So we want to have a clear roadmap with deadlines to show this is when all of the systems will be replaced and how. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot here so far about the fact that you're publishing a lot of this information and that is therefore out in the world for everyone to see. National Highways websites where you can find out all that, folks. But that really does open up what you're doing in the industry and also it allows you to take on different things. Like, for example, 
you know, when I went to uh, your development centre a while ago, they were using drones, flying drones to capture yeah. different levels of data and they're trying different sizes and yeah. shapes of drones. And I even heard that there's a, a player in the market that can actually have a drone which can land and squirt almost a little bit of glue into the tarmac. All of these sort of things are innovations that may or may not be relevant, mm. but you're having organisations coming down there to get the standards right as to what type of information you need. Because if you've got too much or massive, massive clouds, point clouds of data that you don't need because you just need a little bit of information, or if you do need that, therefore there's a standard that comes into play. And that enables yeah. you to do a lot, of, lot more to reduce and uh, sort of assess your risks, doesn't it? Yeah. So managing risks associated with assets is in the heart of what we do. There is no question about it. That's what asset management is, managing risks and using resources efficiently. So there are a couple of things I want to pick on what you're saying, Peter. First of all, learning from others. Yep. I, I come from an academic background before I came in consultancy in National Highways, and I feel passionately about learning, about pushing boundaries, about not wasting time in research, repeating work others have done. So we absolutely work with colleagues across Europe, not only in the UK. So we work with Transport Scotland, the Welsh Government, local authorities, the Department for Transport. We keep our eyes. We participate in committees in a very proactive way, but we listen to what is happening in Europe. Yeah. Continuously speaking with colleagues across Europe, but beyond. We learn what is happening in the States. We listen to what is happening in Australia, find out what others are doing and learn from that. So that's really very important from us because we do want to develop leadership, yeah. but we also don't want to repeat work. For example, we use sophisticated machines, quite sophisticated machines, to measure road condition, the surface of the road, pavement condition. Well, we all have mobile phones. We have more and more sophisticated vehicles. I'll tell you what, the vehicles that are traveling on our network, your car, I don't know what may your car is, but if it is a German car, someone in Germany knows about the condition of our roads because right. the data is shared automatically. Someone in Germany will know that it was raining or snowing this morning because I've got an Audi and the wipers were on this morning. So someone in Germany knows that it's raining in Birmingham today. Right. So why are we not using that information? So we, we are doing some work with our pavements people at the moment to see, okay, how much longer will we keep using these very sophisticated road condition surveys? They go out on the network once a year. How much longer will we be doing that? At what point in time will we stop doing those surveys as a norm? And we will use up-to-date information from our Mercedes or our Audi or our BMW or other, other uh, vehicles exist, I know. But you see the point I'm making here. Yeah, yeah, At yeah. which point will we trust Google, iPhone, and Mercedes to tell us the condition of the road network? And we are doing that, and that's a decision we need to make. There are things to consider around the legal framework, around private data and GDPR, but the technology is there. So the technology is there, and we want to use it. So that is one example. Another example I want to bring around technology and data and information is what we call our structures moonshot. 
we have a moonshot. A moonshot? We have a moonshot. <laughs> wow. Indeed. Which our moonshot is this. We said that in the next 10 years, and I know it sounds a long time, but it's, you not, see, it's not. It's not. Things move quickly. We have a moonshot that says in the next 10 years, we do not want to use human intervention in the way we manage our top 100 priority structures, British. Okay. So the technology is out there. Uh, digital image correlation, uh, sensors, artificial intelligence, drones. We use drones in confined spaces to begin with, but we're building our, our appetite and we're building our confidence to use drones more. But if the technology is out there, why do we still need to go and do detailed surveys visually and climbing on bridges if we can do that automatically? And if artificial intelligence is out there and the technology is available and modeling is available, why do we need to do to analyze the data in the office? Why can it not be done automatically? And then why can't we say, well, this is the right treatment at this specific time? And actually, I have seen what else is happening on the network to minimize impact on, on, on the customer, on the traveling public. Therefore, that's why our moonshot says no human intervention. Everything done in a way that doesn't cause unwanted closures on the network, maximizes the impact of interventions at the right time so that we minimize disruption. And that's our structures moonshot, which we've started work on a few months ago. I love the idea of a moonshot, folks. And I think one of the things that we're talking about there is, is saying, look, here is an absolute ask from everybody else out there to enable us to do that. Like I've, I've talked to surveying businesses that, that are using ground penetrating radar attached to the back of a car yeah. that are actually using systems on the top of the car that then, then can capture the visualization with the ground penetrating radar and actually go through and, and do a process of a big interchange like we see Spaghetti Junction uh, down the road from us here within a matter of half an hour rather than like you say close that structure down overnight or close it down over different periods of time three or four days lots of carbon spent in traffic jams lots of effort when that technology is here today and i think you know seeing us do that and actually looking at the impact of that will be great i'm actually going to go out with one of those uh, teams uh, to actually see a road near me and, and okay. we're going to actually do that process on it uh, in a few weeks time I hope oh, or a couple wow. of months time so I'll let you know how Fantastic. that goes. Fantastic, sounds yeah. exciting. We use GPR both on our pavements and on our structures and we use them regularly and the key point here is that there's a lot of technology out there yep. so it's how we prioritize it and can I plug the work on, on Moonshot a little bit further? Of course, that's because why we're here. we went out and we, we wrote to various um, trade magazines. We, we were very active in LinkedIn because if you've got any technology that you think can help us on the Moonshot, technology that will help us to make the right decision on our structures, we very much want to hear from you. The first phase of our Moonshot was that going out, reaching out, around the world to ask people what is the technology that you can share with us that will make us move quicker. So if anybody has any good ideas about how we can achieve our moonshot faster, please be in touch. We very much want to hear from you. We have had some fantastic technologies and we really look forward to give you an update on that. Certainly we'll be there for the update. That is, folks, an opportunity for you all out there to actually get in touch and do things. So. You know, so there's a few other things I wanted to really talk about um, with you as well. Is is like, 
you talked a lot about strategy, you know, and yeah. you know, we, we've got a lot of these documents out here. We're doing a lot of working groups. We've got lots of different things out. We've got the moonshot that's been launched and everything else. How, how is it linking with the, the sort of everyday operational maintenance and, and elements that you do? And, and how is it working within the frameworks that you've got as an organisation to deliver the, the here and now and, and that maybe yeah, a couple of years through into that sort of operational maintenance piece? This is all about skills and capability and again an excellent question. Um, the work we're doing in asset management, we, we are doing it as built asset management capability, not in individuals only because we're good at that, but as an organization overall. So I will go back to some of the things that, that I said at the start. What we are doing here, what we are doing as a company, as National Highways, we are taking a step back and we're trying to understand with data, with systems, with tools, what is the impact of our decisions on customers. Now, so what does that mean uh, from an operational perspective? From an operational perspective, we are giving our, our teams, the people who are out on the network day in, day out, we're giving them the data, the tools, the, the iPads, the information, the guidance and the training they need to make the, the right decisions every day. And it is a, it's a circular process. It is a process where we learn from our mistakes and we learn how we can manage risks better. So I spoke about drainage at the start. Typically, we would go, we, we've adopted what we call a risk-based approach. So we have standards, our standards are robust and perhaps some of the strongest standards around the world and they're used by many countries around the world. But we've got standards that say how often do we go out to inspect drains. Yeah. But our people know, based on data and experience, that I come to this drain every six months because that's what the standard says, but I never need to do anything here because it's always clean. So why do I keep coming out every six months? Mm. Here is the risk-based approach. I know that this drain doesn't need visiting more often. I know that if I go there once a year, once every 18 months, that's absolutely fine. But this drain gets blocked every three months. So why do I go and do all my drains every <laughs> six months? And that is the risk-based approach. Yeah. This is, that's where we need that intelligence. You know, perhaps, not saying definitely, but perhaps sensors in our drains to inform us when we need to go and respond or data, historic data that tells us, I'm going to go there every two months, uh, sorry, every two years, but I'm going to go there every three months. And that's a better use of our resources. So, so that's how we do things operationally. Also, if we look at pavements, because I spoke earlier about the causeway system that we use to predict future performance, I can give the right advice to operational colleagues and say, actually, your renewals program shouldn't be focusing on these roads in the next three months or in the next year or in the next two years. You are better off focusing over here because I've got the analysis and I know that's where you get value for your money. So that's how we work with our operational colleagues to make sure we go at the right time, at the right place. But one thing that has changed a lot, Peter, in the last few years, in the last couple of years in national highways, the thing that has changed is the collaboration between the people who write the standards, yep. these people in my team, and those who implement the standards in the operations directorates, in the operational regions. We have a much more collaborative, much more transparent, much more uh, 
collaborative approach. So we don't just stand, write a standard. My boss uses the term, write a standard and throw it over the fence. We don't <laughs> do that anymore. We write a standard that's fit for purpose, yeah. enables innovation, and enables operational techniques to do the right treatment on the ground. And what that does as well is it, it, it enables conversations within the supply chain. It allows people to upwardly suggest things that, that can change. And also a standard, you know, it's a bit like putting something out and saying, hey, yeah, we've got this new thing that we're going to do now. Well, a standard has got to evolve as things change, as the, as the, the industry changes, as new technologies come in. Absolutely. But you have to have the standard that says that this is what we're going to deliver. Otherwise, you defer away from that and everything starts to crumble and it doesn't work. So and we introduce risks. Yes, and that's the critical thing from the network. So you've talked a little bit about this whole new tablets and yeah. iPads and things like that. We've also mentioned phones as well. And we now have the ability, don't we, to use iPhones, I'm recording on one right now, uh, and, and smartphones to have our everyday life and, and what we do. We've also got the opportunity to get information visually now because of that, whether that be in an, in an image sense, in a video sense, so that people can actually share the real world with you at National Highways and, and with your supply chain that helps you deliver things. That whole world and visualisation is a real opportunity, isn't it, for somebody like Absolutely. yourselves? Absolutely. I'm going to mention another strategy now. Oh, go on. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's the digital road strategy. Right. So we recognize that digital is an enabler. Yep. And we very much want to focus on how we use digital to, as we spoke about throughout the last few minutes, uh, you know, to understand the asset, to make decisions about the asset. But we also have communications with our customers. So how do we communicate with our customers? How do we listen to what they want? And they give us a lot of information through iPhones, but also how do we tell them what is coming out? How do we tell them what is the best way for them to use our network? When is the best time? How do we give them reliable information about when they're going to arrive at their destinations? So this is very much part of our digital approach. So we talked about the communication piece, we've talked about how everything all works, but where do you see your standards coming in uh, later on down the line? And where do we also see the big question? What are we gonna look out for in the next five to 10 years from a technology advancement perspective? You know, that moonshot moment. That moonshot. Ah, uh, well, couple, two different things here. The first yeah. one about technology, absolutely. Our eyes are out there, I think artificial intelligence, right. and the way we interpret data and support our own engineering decisions, I think around there we need to keep an eye. And a better way of collecting the information, be it through our vehicles, our mobile phones, or specific technology sensors and so on. So I think around technology, a really big focus of our innovation work. Standards is something that creates an allergic reaction to me. <laughs> and that is uh, when people say standards are blockers. Standards can indeed be blockers. Standards can, of course, be used as excuses of why we don't do things. You know, our standards say that we can't do something different. We feel very strongly about standards as enablers. And yep. that is the work that National Highways does through innovation. We have standards that make sure we do the right thing and we don't take unnecessary risks, but we develop them and implement them in a way that 
enables innovation. So I really want to make the point, standards are as enables standards, not as blockers. And that is our work. That's why it's really important when I talk about transparency and being clear on what we want from our partners in our supply chain, it's all clear in our strategies and our standards so that we can move on quickly without wasting time in things that were not of interest to us. And that's really important. I think that leads me to, the, to close off here, which is the, the big thing that I always like to talk about. We've talked about assets. We've talked about digitalization. We've talked about drainage. We've talked about all these different tools that we can have, how we can communicate, all the different things we can do. But this industry is also about people. And we need to attract the best possible people into our industry to then get the best possible outcomes. Training, support that they need to create careers into that space. National Highways is one of the biggest clients in the UK and the biggest client that is consistently there yes. in the UK. The things that we need to do as we move forward to make sure we are a better industry is all around people. Your final thoughts on that element for me, if you could. Absolutely. Attracting the talented people, attracting the people with the new ideas, with the passion, with the enthusiasm and with the energy to come and make a change. If you're out there and if you're someone who wants to make a change in the country to contribute in the economic and social well-being and development of the UK, please come and join us. There are lots of opportunities in, in National Highways. We have um, an HR team that really supports us in developing our people. And I had a fantastic career in the road sector, and I would strongly encourage people who have the enthusiasm to come and join us. There's lots you can be doing, and we're really, really contributing to, to the economic and social development of our nation. It's fantastic to be able to do that. And on that note, folks, it's great to talk. Make sure you do talk to National Highways and the team, because if you want a great career that we've just talked about there, it's out there for the taking, folks. And this has been another fantastic edition of the Construction Talk podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been so insightful. I'm excited about all the assets that you're managing and the digital journey that we're going on. But remember, folks, it's all about the people. See you next time. Bye-bye. For tuning in to Construction Talk. If you loved this episode, discover more over at causeway.com forward slash construction talk. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.